Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Swati Chattervedi. She's the CEO of Propelex. Swati, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Kevin. It's great to be here again. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I looked it up before we were recording. You were episode nine, and by about the time this airs, you'll be about 400 or so. So you, I've watched you guys over the years, and you guys have, well, you and Propelex have popped up in the in the news from some big publications in the last little while. So you guys have grown like crazy. But maybe before we get into all that stuff, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, so history of me, uh, I grew up in India and I completed my undergraduate studies in India. Very cool. Came here for my graduate studies, went to Berkeley, MIT, worked as a management consultant for a while, five years, actually a long time, <laughs> then did my MBA again <laughs> at MIT nice. um, and started out in investing. So um, I, I did my um, first started out with Siemens Venture Capital, brief stint there, and then moved to San Francisco to work at a private equity firm. Did that for some time, then realized I really wanted to do early stage. That's when I changed gears. But um, let me stop there. Sure. Okay, so walk us through your journey up until Propelex and, and what exactly is it? Okay, sure. Uh, so as I said, you know, I used to be working at this private equity firm and I realized that I am really much more passionate about early stage startups, okay. companies that are changing the world. Um, and in private equity, you're really doing a lot of later stage work. Uh, it's quite operational. It's very financial modeling also oriented. Um, and and you do work with companies, but they're definitely much more mature. Uh, and you're working on shaving off costs for the most part. Right. And what I, I was really passionate about was companies that are using technology to change the world. That was the big thing for me. Um, I thought maybe I can participate in startups as an angel investor. Okay. So I started visiting various angel groups. Uh, here in and around the Bay Area, thinking that I would find something that made a lot of uh, sense to me that uh, would meet my goals. But I didn't, primarily because way back in 2012 is when I'm talking about. Sure. You now, every, all the companies that were pitching at all these angel groups were so low more. That was the mantra, social, local, mobile okay. at that time. And um, given my own passion for science and technology, I didn't feel compelled, um, which is not to say that these companies aren't uh, impacting our lives. They are. They certainly make it easier for me to get my food and hail a ride and so on. Um, but they aren't changing the world meaningfully in that they aren't solving the world's greatest challenges. They aren't helping solve cure cancer, for example. Sure. They aren't helping create abundant energy for everyone on this planet. They aren't helping create abundant food. 
and so on. So those are the big challenges. And certainly, I think it's worthwhile uh, to live to have an impact on these. So not having found what I was really looking for, I started the MIT Angels Group along with my classmate, Li Sheng Wang, who then later became my co-founder at PropelX. Uh, so we started the MIT Angels with a focus on deep technology startups. That was around the first time we started using or anyone started using that term, deep technology startups. Um, and we defined these companies as those that are founded either on a scientific breakthrough or significant engineering innovation. And, um, and we started this off initially looking at MIT-related deal flow, so companies that were started by MIT alumni, um, and then expanded from there. And we launched this angel group in 2013, and very quickly it became very successful. Uh, surprisingly, you know, very cool, though. there were a lot of companies, yeah, from MIT, from Berkeley, from Stanford, um, that are developing new therapies, new diagnostic tools, new uh, new energy solutions that find it hard to raise funding. And what we concluded in about a year was that these technology startups find it really hard to raise funding, especially in the earlier stages. Sure. Like before they have um, revenue, so then, do you mean by early stages? Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> yes, certainly before they have revenue is for sure. Uh, but most of them don't even have uh, proper products in hand, ah, okay. right? So or most of them will have a proof of concept of some sort, uh, but it takes time to actually and F money to develop the actual product. Right. So, um, so it's it's hard. It's hard to raise funding because the time to revenue is so long. And so we started PropelX as a, a way to help these companies raise financing when these are the companies that meaningfully change the world. And by the way, they also use great returns. Look at Tesla or look at, uh, you know, Genentech or Illumina, companies that are founded on science and technology and change the world. Sure. So that's how we started PropelX. Uh, we launched our website in 2014, and hopefully that summarizes my journey to, uh, to becoming an entrepreneur. No, I, I think that's, that's really great. So how has PropelX stayed the same and evolved over the last few years? Sure. So I think... Uh, we have stayed true to our mission. Okay. We started out as a platform to help raise financing for deep tech companies, and that is something that we still do. We're still focused on that. That's our branding. Uh, our brand has been, I would say, recognized and established by many in the industry. Uh, we've appeared in all of the major uh, media, whether you know it's uh, uh, a CNBC or uh, VentureBeat or you know, whatever, Fortune or Wall Street Journal. So we were in the Wall Street Journal last year. Very cool. Um, and others. Yeah, so we've been recognized by major media, both national, local, regional, whatever. Um, we've been on NPR. We've, we've been recognized. We have a lot of support. Over the years, we've, uh, we've, we realized that many of our startups actually came from <clears throat> the SBIR program. So the government actually funds early-stage science-based companies uh, through their proof of concept. So we found that most of our startups, in fact, come are backed by these government programs. And so now, as we started doing more and more to help these startups, we ourselves received a lot of support, not financial, but certainly emotional marketing, all that kind of thing, uh, the goodwill 
of these government organizations, whether it's the Department of Energy, the National Science Foundation, National Institute of Health. Um, we develop deep relationships there and we get now a lot of deal flow directly from these sources, um, which has been great. Uh, so we've stayed true to our mission, but yes, we have grown. We've grown in stature, we've grown in branding. We've closed 60 plus deals in these wow. past few years. Um, and and so things have been on the up and up, which is great. Um, but again, uh, they've also been the same in that we've stayed true to our mission. I think the one thing that is quite different now is that we're doing later and later rounds. So initially we started out with a focus on seed funding only. Uh, but turns out these companies, as they mature, you know, they come back to us for their Series A, Series B, Series C, even we've done. Right. So we're raising larger and larger rounds um, for for these deep technology companies, and hopefully, and we've also seen some to their exits. We've had five exits so far. Well, congrats! That's um, huge. And we are, yeah, <laughs> yep, we are keeping our fingers crossed for many more. <laughs> sure. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into. How do you guys work with investors? And then let's get into the startup side. Sure. So how do we work with investors? Absolutely. The first thing that I should tell you is that is, is a little bit about our business model, sure. right? So essentially, we are this marketplace, this website where um, we display. So companies will apply to get listed. We screen these companies, curate them, and then the companies get published on Propellex, right? Sure. At the same time, there are investors worldwide. We have a lot of international investors. They register on Propellex. They give us some information. We make sure they're accredited. We make sure that they're suitable for high-risk investing. And then they become members of Propellex. And then they can browse the companies, and if they see something they like, they can invest online. So that's the way that works, right? Sure. But... The important thing is that as a marketplace, you know, in any other industry, whether it be the Amazon marketplace, eBay, OpenTable, there are so many marketplaces. Um, every marketplace takes a cut of the transaction, right? Kickstarter. Right. So if you raise, for example, $10,000 on Kickstarter, Kickstarter will take 8% of it, $800. But if as a financial services company, you want to be a marketplace, turns out you have to be registered with the regulatory bodies. So there are certain bodies that regulate fin financial services. In our case, it's called FINRA. So that's the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. Okay. So we are actually a member of FINRA. And as a result, we, can, we are authorized to take a cut of the transaction. If you're not a member of FINRA, you can't do that. So our business model is whatever the amount of funding is raised, we take a for a percentage of it, a success fee. Okay. So that's the way we work with investors, and actually that's the way we also work with startups. So investors sign up, and uh, if they actually make an investment, you know, they pay us 2%, and the startup pays us 5%. Gotcha. If they're uh, investing really small amounts, we need to put them into a syndicate. Uh, syndicates are expensive. So then in that case, they pay us the 2% standard transaction fee, but they also pay a 10 percentage points of the carried interest. Got you. I can go deeper into this if you like. I, I know I'm going over this really quickly. No, no, I, I think that's good. I, the one thing I do want to um, dive a little bit deeper on is 
What's an accredited investor? I, I think some people know what that is, but others don't know what that is. Yeah, sure. So um, per the definition of uh, SEC, an accredited investor is someone who, if you're an individual, then you should be earning 200K or more in annual income. And the way to test that is, did you earn 200K or more in the past two years? And is that your expectation in the future as well? Okay. That's how we test for that. Now, if you're a household, right? let's say you're married, for example, sure. then the test is, did you earn 300,000 or more in your past two years? So basically together with your spouse. Right. Did you earn 300K or more? And do you expect to earn that also in the future? So that's the test. And then there is this uh, asset-based test. So let's say you're a retired person. You don't have a job anymore. You don't have an annual income. But hey, excluding your main home, your primary residence, excluding that, do you have a net worth of a million dollars or more? Okay. If yes, then in all three of these cases, you qualify to be an accredited investor. And to be... To be very clear, the SEC does not require some kind of a certification or any such thing. You should know whether you meet these criteria. And if you do, then you just say, yes, I'm accredited. It's not like you need a certificate or any such thing. Got you. Okay, very cool. So obviously, I, I think if you're an investor and you've been doing this a while, you, you know, obviously what, what you can and can't do. But I'm curious to know, how does a startup get themselves on Propelex? You mentioned it quickly, but I want to kind of dive deeper into that. Yeah, sure. So originally when we started out, it was really word of mouth. We were mainly getting MIT network startups because they knew of us through the MIT angels, right? right. Um, but since then, it has really grown. So the word has spread and... Um, most of these organizations that I talked about, whether it's National Science Foundation, NIH, DOE, Department of Defense, NASA, all of these kind of know about Propelex, and we speak at many of their events. So those are marketing um, marketing efforts on for us, right? And so we just through getting this word out, we get a lot of applications. Sure. Um, and when a company applies, we ask them to submit their basic contact info and a pitch deck and some basic write-up about what they're doing. And we evaluate the company to see if it meets our criteria. Now we do have some basic criteria to get the company on board. Number one is, is it a deep technology startup by our definition, which I told you. Yeah. So when we have a phone call with the company, we really grill them on what is your specific innovation. Uh, it's not enough to take things which are off the shelf and just reproduce them. We are looking for companies that are innovative. So that's one. Sure. The second is we want the company to have a full-time team. So in many cases, we'll have part-time CEOs. So that's not acceptable. Okay. That's the other thing. And then the third thing in order to be published is that you need to have at least one investor in the current round. Uh, right? Okay. So... It's okay if you don't have that investor. You should, if you pass the first two criteria, you will get into our pipeline. We'll know which companies are looking for lead investors and we have our own internal process to help them find those. Um, but to be published, you need to have that one investor in place. But I encourage companies, if they think that they check the first two boxes, they should just, just create profiles on Propeller. Okay, what if, so that, sorry to cut you off, what if, 
they are willing to go full time, but they haven't yet because they haven't gotten an investment round. Yeah, well, that happens all the time. You need sure. to be full time and dedicated um, in order for you to get the investment. So I, I okay. do think that people that think that, oh, when I get money, I'll go full time. They won't go get money because they're not full time. Okay, it's just, interesting. It's just so cool. Okay, sure. Okay. No, okay. So I submit my startup. It meets all the criteria. Then what happens? Then we review it. And we have a phone call. If we think it meets our criteria, then we ask them. We say, okay, move forward. We click the button approved. And they get an email saying, okay, guys, you're approved. Why don't you create your detailed profile? So initially, we just asked for basic materials. Now, hey, because we are creating a profile online, now you can see what it looks like from the investor's view. You can put in your team, you know, their pictures, a little bit of bio about them, your pitch deck, any other materials you want to upload. Tell us about your funding round, how much you're raising, how much you've already raised, what is the valuation, all that kind of good stuff. And when they say that, then after they've completed their, their work, then we also review it from our side. So everything has to go through compliance approvals because we are regulated. Right. So we review it and we make sure it is compliant and then we approve it and it is then published. Uh, once it is published, we send out marketing emails to targeted investors. Obviously, we know what the investor profiles are like, what kind of stuff they've invested in before. So we send them more targeted companies that would interest them. Um, we do all this marketing and if the company starts getting traction, they have a lot of followers, and then we hold investor calls for these companies, which are recorded and placed on our website again. Um, and so once that happens, then typically investors will come more. So it, 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 traction is kind of like a snowball effect, right? Sure. Yeah. Once you start getting some of it, then you get more of it and so on. Um, and then eventually investors can invest online. So they pledge their interest and we take them through the document signature process. They can wire their funds and we close the deal. Okay. So are you, or is it traditionally one investor invests the entire amount? They only put a certain percentage in or, or is it a little bit depending on which deal it is and how much the company's trying to raise? Yeah, absolutely. It depends on the deal and it also depends on the investor, right? Sure. So we have, I would say, three types of investors. Okay. Uh, number one is institutional investors. When we say institution, we're talking about family office, VC, and corporate VC. Okay. That's about 25% of our user base. So a quarter of our user base is institutions. And these institutions are both US-based, but also quite a few of them are international. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's one user type. The second user type is the professional angel investor. So these are people who have made angel investments before. Um, several of them, they have a portfolio. They know how to do it. You know, they know what they're about. Um, and typically, they will invest anything from twenty-five thousand dollars to hundred or two hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Institutions could invest anything from two hundred k to upwards of a million. Okay. Um, and then the third type is the, um, I would say, I wouldn't the, what we call the amateur investor who haven't made so many investments before. And if they, if they are a professional, then they're looking to diversify and take smaller bets online. 
Okay. Right? And so they invest anything from, so our minimum is 3000 okay. So these investors would invest anything from $3,000 until, let's say, fifteen or $20,000 maybe. So those are the three types of investors. So it depends a lot on who's investing. So for example, if you get an institutional investor, then it would they would invest 200, 250K and then go up from there. Um, and if you get the interest of a professional angel investor, you might find they might invest 100 to 200K up from there. And if you get the interest of smaller angel investors, typically smaller angel investors tend to follow. Uh, if the deal is picking speed, then they tend to follow that. So usually it's good to have at least one or two anchor professional angel investors and then uh, other people can also uh, join the deal so that's the way that works okay no that that makes a lot of sense and so there's startups get a startup gets investment um walk us through are the investors and you guys kind of hands-on or hands-off or or a little bit of both or, or how does that relationship kind of work after the investment round is over? Yeah. Yeah, we're quite hands-off. Okay. Um, I mean, to the extent that the startup wants to involve investors from Propellex, uh, we certainly communicate quite a bit. Okay. Um, and then, um, um, but but it's not as though we take governance. So, so we won't sit on the board. We won't have board observer rights or any such thing. But we do ask that the startup's startups send us quarterly updates so we can update the investors, right? So we ask for bullet point updates as to, did you get new customers? Did you get revenues? Did, did you get a new team member? Did you have a scientific breakthrough? All that kind of thing. They can send it to us in bullet points. We do ask for that. We require that, that, they, that we get quarterly updates. But when it comes to actually involving investors, individual investors and in specific um, specific kind of activities we don't we keep it pretty hands-off to the extent that a startup wants to involve an investor they can do so um, but it's pretty hands-off okay no very cool so you mentioned you've had a, a bunch of exits now walk us through how much involvement did you have in in that or or not really much at all but you've obviously there's success stories for Propelex. Yeah, we didn't have any involvement in that, to okay. be honest. We, no, did sure. we did reap the rewards. Uh, I think that that was good for our investors in that they got multiples of their money back. But uh, so far, we've not engineered these exits. We've not made the introductions, etc. Although that's something that we are certainly working on. Sure. Um, yeah, but you, yeah. you made the original, obviously, like you, you matched the startup and the investors. So you you did a lot of the the work early on so so no i, yes. I think that's awesome so yeah I'm, absolutely so i'm curious you have this four experts section on, on the website what exactly is that about and uh how does it help yeah absolutely that's actually a very important part of propellex and it's uh, one of our key differentiators so the thing is, one of the things that we learned early on at MIT Angels is that uh, companies based in science and technology are hard to evaluate, primarily sure. because people don't have the expertise to evaluate them. For example, if there is a new battery technology, right? Yep. The average 
individual, even people that are knowledgeable, may not be experts in chemistry. So does this specific chemistry work? Will it scale? You know, will it work at scale? Is there a supply chain to produce for the materials that go into the electrolyte or the electrodes or whatever? Uh, you know, where are there supply constraints? Are there price fluctuations? We don't know everything about um, that specific product. And the average investor, even though they may be an expert angel investor, they may not have expertise in that particular technology. Right. So typically what you do is you call your friends and you'll have a friend who's a chemist, for example, or a battery technology expert and ask them, hey, what do you think of this? That's how it works offline. Um, but online, we wanted to replicate that. So we created our own network of experts. So at this point, there's 1,200 plus experts. There are some very famous people who are in our expert network and have shared their opinions on specific companies. So the way it works is experts just register. And when they register, they share keywords, what their expertise is. Similarly, when a startup registers, they share keywords of what their startup is about. Uh, we match those up and we find out who are the people that are experts. We'll come out with a list of experts for each company and we invite them to participate in Q&A. So there will be a panel of three to five experts that gives opinion on every company on Propelex. And they answer all kinds of questions. So investors can submit questions, but we also have a set of standard questions uh, that we use, which are both quantitative and qualitative in nature. And so the experts will share their opinions. And the three to five experts may have divergent views on a specific topic, or they may have similar views on a specific topic. Um, and that, that helps the investors just understand the company better, evaluate it better. Sure. No, that, that makes That's a lot of what sense. Our, yeah. No, very cool. So I'm, I'm curious to talk about deal flow a little bit. Because you guys are looking for these really big revolutionary ideas, is it hard to find startups that meet your criteria? Or, or how does that work? No, it turns out that, like I said, the government actually invests quite a bit okay. uh, in such companies every year. In fact, um, in fact, the SBIR program in total invests about $2.5 billion every year in wow. 5,000 small companies. Yeah, yeah. So it's the biggest seed fund of America. And, and that basically is a lot of deal flow for someone like us. Okay. Right. Sure. Um, so we don't have any shortage of deal flow. We have more than we can handle. Okay. So and we have quite excellent deal flow because hey, anything that receives a grant from the SBIR foundation or from the SBIR program is actually pre-vetted or they are it's vetted by experts. Ah. So they have their own criteria to invest, right? Right. So we know this company has gone through the ringer with the SBIR already. And here it is out on the other side. Uh, and now it's applying to Propelex. So we get excellent deal flow, high quality deal flow. And that's, I, would, I would say that that's one of our key differentiators. Uh, and we hear this over and over again by our users. 
that they keep coming back to Propellex because we have great deal flow. No, that's that's awesome. Well, and I guess from the investor side, it can take a lot of time and energy to find any deals, never mind these big world-changing ideas like you guys have on your site, right? Yes, absolutely. So, so yes, and that is the key problem that platforms like ours are solving, right? Uh, which is that the problem of access. Look, there's 12 and a half million accredited investor households okay. for in an SEC US? report of several, in the US alone, Okay. right? Yeah. For an SEC report of just a few years back, I think from 2015 or something. Okay. Twelve and a half million households. And yet if you look at how many of how many active angel investors are there, there are different numbers. Uh, and I do believe that these numbers are underreported. So according to um, there's a venture center center for venture research at University of New Hampshire that tends to report that there's angel investors about two hundred and fifty thousand in number. I mean that's not even a small fraction of the percentage of accredited investor households, right? Right. So this market is really nascent. Very few people have access. And that access typically is limited to Silicon Valley and Boston, Boston area or New York, you know, East Coast and West Coast. And people in the middle of America, where there's a lot of wealth, they have no access to, uh, to startups at all. Right. So they are not diversified. Uh, they don't have, I mean, so if you think of portfolio allocation, right? Let's say you're a wealthy person, you're thinking of how should I use my money? Well, you put some into stocks, you put some into bonds, you put some into real estate, and then what? Sure. Right? Then yeah. what? Then you put, okay, let me put it into a couple of private, private equity or venture capital funds, and you can then invest directly. So these are alternative investments. And um, unfortunately, access has been extremely limited. And that is the key problem we solve by having an online platform, which is accessible from anywhere via the internet. Right. So how does it work then if I meet all the investor criteria, I can be an accredited investor, but I've never actually done any investments outside of letting somebody else just handle it. Do I need to get pretty educated before I use the platform to start investing? Or what is my level of education around being my own investor and managing my own investments need to be? So I don't think you need to be uh, educated, like in the in the traditional uh, way that we think of education, you don't have to be a finance professional. Okay. Um, you don't have to you don't have to know all the financial jargon all that that's not what is required but educated to the extent of should i learn more about the industry should i learn more about the competitors to this okay. company yes i think people should learn how to do diligence and we provide a lot of resources for that uh, we regularly host webinars we interview other angel investors who are successful a lot of it is on our blogs as well uh, we discuss how to do diligence for these kinds of companies. And then, of course, we have our network of experts. You can always ask them any question. Um, so I would say, while you don't need to be an expert in anything, you should try to do diligence before you invest. So that's number one. 
do do your diligence before you make an investment ask the right questions but close following close on the heels of do your diligence is the following advice okay start small sure. do not invest 100000 dollars in your first deal you know start small invest 3000 5000 10000 depending on your net worth sure but and the reason you should start small is because the third piece of advice is build a portfolio and uh, right? so if you have let's say $50,000 available okay right and you want to build a portfolio you should then invest no more than $5,000 in 10 companies at least right i see so build a portfolio because these companies are so high risk and very often the risks are beyond our uh uh beyond our ability to foresee or influence sure. and they're not in our hands um so there is a high degree of failure of these companies and so one should go in expecting that not every company will succeed however do your diligence as though you know to the same level for each company as every single company you expect to succeed no i i think that's actually really good advice right and i i think if like to your $50,000 uh example you know if you spread that out over you know a handful of companies and you hit one you're i think you're doing good right yes Obviously, absolutely if you hit Because... more than one you're going to be happy but <laughs> yes of course of course no yeah. very cool so i i'm we're kind of coming to the end but i i really want to get your thoughts on is there anything or myths or anything that you want to demystify for either the startup or the investor that you hear maybe all the time or, or see all the time <laughs> well for the startup i would say it's a journey you know okay fundraising there is no magic bullet you need to make sure you are leveraging all of the resources and think of propellex and all other platforms as just one more source of capital uh, don't bank on it to provide the entire round for you you know but bank on it to the extent that okay it's going to help me get a few hundred thousand dollars out okay. of my my round of a million or million and a half that i'm raising so so that's okay um and the other thing i would say is um engage with investors Okay. So very often we see startups thinking okay the platform is going to do its thing and magically money will materialize now nah. if you see people following you send them messages send them nice notes look them up look up their backgrounds on linkedin and see if they may be a good fit where they could be of help engage the users i think that's very important sure um because we've seen that those startups that actually raise the most round do what they call what we call they close their own deal they bring uh, their round together by engaging their investors smart you know so that's very important um on the investor side i would just say in terms of demystifying well angel investing is right now i would say relatively limited in that not many people do it sure but i think platforms like propellex and others are changing how that that happens. Sure. Uh so very soon people all over the country will have knowledge of these will have access to these kinds of opportunities. Um and I think investors should just 
be open to these new kind of ideas, uh, open to get educated and start small. <laughs> like I said, sure. you know, start small, build a portfolio, do your diligence. Uh, that's what I would say to investors. No, I, I think that's really good advice. And I, I think the thing even before I talked to you the first time and, and just talking to people over the last few years is there's a lot of people, like you mentioned, that could invest, but they don't want to put in 50K into one company or, or more money than that. But they don't realize that they can start investing in companies for three grand, right? And that's a long way away from 50K and it's really inexpensive. So you could start out saying, I'm just going to take $10,000, put it into uh, a couple of companies and see what happens, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Again, invest only as much as you can afford to lose you know, mm -hmm. because these are risky companies. Um, sure. but, but it doesn't need to but, be 150k yeah. to invest in three startups. No, it can exactly. be nine grand, exactly. I guess, in three startups, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. precisely. And that's how one should start is small. Sure. Nine grand in three startups is a good way to start. Yeah, no, and I think that's really good advice. And that's why I wanted to reiterate that because I think a lot of people don't think of it as being that inexpensive. Like if you have 200 or $300,000 a year you're making, nine grand doesn't seem that daunting, right? Uh, of money that yeah. you're willing to potentially <laughs> lose. But 150 yeah. grand is a lot of money. That that does. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, no, absolutely. Sure. And to put things in perspective, sure. nine grand would buy you nine shares of Google. Thereabouts. Yeah, yeah okay, no, fair not. enough. Interesting. Yeah, that is a really good way yeah. of putting it. But we're kind of coming to the end. Yeah. So how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys and any other links you want to mention? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, check us out at propelx.com. So that's spelled as P-R-O-P-E-L-X.com. And I think people should read, read our FAQ because that does describe exactly how things work. Uh, so I think that would be good. Uh, and join us as experts, whether um, you know, you've been an entrepreneur, you're an angel investor, you're an academic, uh, we have experts of all kinds. We have professors from MIT, from Stanford. Um, we have professionals. We have former NASA scientists. Very cool. We have really good experts. So I do invite people to join us as experts, list their companies on Propellex, join us as investors. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you again taking time into your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and have a good rest of your day. Thank you, Kevin. Likewise. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future. <laughs>